everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Uh, just a shout out today to Jennifer Snow, who also writes this jam, Winchester. Her new book, All the Lovely Things, has just released. It is spectacular. And one other shout out to John Gilstrap, who's um, Total Mayhem also released, and he is probably one of my favorite thriller novelists. Tonight, I am so excited. One of my longtime friends, who is one of the first people I asked to come on Authors on the Air, is back with me again. She's been with me a couple times, but it's been a few years since she's been here. Roxanne St. Clair, who's better known as Rocky to her friends, is a USA Today and New York Times bestselling author of more than 50 novels of suspense and romance. She has penned numerous standalone books and two young adult novels. She's a 10-time nominee and an award winner of RWA's Rita Award, 10 times nominated. Um, she's got a, the National Reader's Choice Award. She's got the um, Daphne. She's got the Holt Medallion, the Maggie Booksellers Best. Um, Book Buyer's Best, the Award of Excellence, and many, many, many others. For those of you who've read Roxanne St. Clair's books, Rocky's books, you know that she started off writing um, some suspense, the the Bullet Catcher series, one of my favorite. We're going to talk about that. She's (laughs) just finished the Dogfather series and now has a new one called the Dogmother series. The first book is called Hot Under the Collar. And by the way, all of her cover artists, uh, her cover models are firemen or real-life guys and real-life pets from the rescue center that Rocky's Books support. Roxanne St. Clair, I love you, and I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> I am back. I love you, too. Thank you for having me back. It has been too long since I've been on it the show. Thank been. you. It has been. You've, you've had a move. You've finished off a series. You've started another one. And by all accounts, things are going well for you. When I was looking at the reviews today for Hot Under the Collar, across the board, five stars. I, you were Aww. just... You're blowing people out of the water with these books. <laughs> well, people do love dogs. <laughs> they, and do. they do. Love, they do love romance. And um, I have, with this series and, of course, the nine book series that preceded it, The Dog Father, I right. really feel like I have hit some magic. So it's fun. It's, it's a place that, um, it's the right place for my voice and my heart and my life, and I'm just loving these books, and I think when an author really loves what she's writing about, he or she's writing about, uh, it, it comes across to the readers, and the readers enjoy it. I just think that's a fact. Well, the thing that I love, too, is that coming out of your Barefoot series, you completely changed it up, and I guess they always say, you know, like in the movies, all you need is a kid, kid or a pet to steal the scene, and it seems like that's really happened with you. Um, well, you, I don't you, know if they steal the scene. I, what I, the thing that makes the Dogfather books different from your basic romantic, cont- contemporary romance, which the whole Barefoot right. Bay series, while there certainly are some of the books that contain suspense, and I do, I do have my roots in romantic suspense all the way back to the early 2000s, because um, I come out of the, that old, you know, I was inspired by Linda Howard and, and those kind of yes. suspense writers. So so right. there's certainly an, an element of suspense in some of the Barefoot Bay books, which is a, a 
an 18 book series that I wrote um, before I wrote The Dog Father. That's a very um, standard, I don't want to say standard, but you know, a, a romantic, a contemporary romance. What makes yes. these books different is not just that there's a dog on the cover, because when I conceived the idea of The Dog Father, I wanted the romance, the dog to be central to the romance. Like, yes. you know, how they, when you have a romantic suspense, you can't take out the romance and you can't take out the suspense. You know, well, right. when you have a dog father book, you have to have a dog that is part and parcel to the love story. And yes. that that is what kind of makes them different. And, and that's why a lot of people, I mean, they're, they're, I'm certainly not the first person to put a dog in romance. And I see more and more and more of it. Um, but I think people think if they put a couple, a couple on the cover and a dog standing next to them, that's going to draw in readers. But my, the concept of the dog father is that at the heart of the story, a dog, or in some cases more than one dog, is, is, what, is the catalyst for the romance and what yes. keeps the romance from falling apart. So the dog's very much a character. That is true. And I think people have responded to that. I'm a dog person. <laughs> that comes across loud and clear. And yes, the books um, do support the Aliqua Animal Refuge, which is one of the largest animal refuges in the state of Florida, my home state and yours. Um, Aliqua is this absolutely beautiful, stunning refuge that is completely volunteer run in up in the panhandle and I when I was looking for um, cover art I couldn't find what I wanted and I found a, 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 seri- a calendar that had been shot to support Aliqua and there were some photos on this calendar like a fundraiser a fundraising calendar mm-hmm. you know hot guys and their dogs kind of thing sure. that I talked to the artist and I said I want to buy some of these some of your photos and she gave me a ridiculously great price, and I said, and I want to support this refuge. So I give a, a, a percentage of the first month sales of every book to Aliqua, and since I used those original first four photos, I have gone back. We did a photo shoot about a year and a half ago of 11 different, that will probably be uh, maybe seven different covers, um, that we shot, we went down to the local fire station. We used we used local guides and dogs that come out of that animal shelter. So I don't write the book. I I, I have a cover with a dog on it, and then I I decide what the story is going to be because it has to have that dog that. in the story. What a great so, what a great way and, to do it. And, and they're and all great. I, I do have to covers. add. I do have to add that uh, about five, six months ago, I got a call from Aliqua and they said, well, we have this dog and I made the trek. And so I now also have a dog named Rosie that I adopted from the shelter. Oh, so, no. How yeah, wonderful. So, kind of, so I just love that aspect of the story. I think that is what kind of makes a lot of people say, well, maybe I'll give one of these books a chance. And then they're, you know, they're thrilled to find these, these a, a very, very heartwarming um, emotional story. It's about a big family, uh, huge family, and I, I really call these books a family saga because at the, the story is all about uh, um, uh, the father who is a widower and his six children and how he match makes all six of them. Of course, there are cousins, and now there's a third family involved, and it's just on and on it goes. 
it, you know, I, I love all of them because there is some wonderful, sweet, terrific romance, but you don't leave behind other characters from the prior books. They're all woven into it. And it is, a, I guess you're right, it is a saga type story because it involves the family. And I'm only, the only thing I'm concerned with is you'll forget that there's beautiful cats. So if you, when you run out of dog mothers, you know, there can be the kitty committee for you too. You know, the, the kitty the, committee. Oh, you're so cute. Yes. I, I, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a cat person, so I'm not as comfortable writing about cats, although I, I certainly love them. I, I don't, I've never owned one. Um, I, I get a lot of requests to include cats in the story, and I have to believe there's going to be a source of conflict between dogs and cats somewhere. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is you know that I have five, and all five of mine are rescues. I can't imagine not going to adopt yeah. rescues. But my cats love dogs, and my girlfriend across the hall from me brings over her. She has um just an odd kind of a little chihuahua something or other mix with a real fluffy tail. <laughs> and my cats just think, Oh, look at that nice little cat with that big fluffy tail. And you know, <laughs> they, they so don't cute. know any better. They just think that they're bigger cats and they're all right. okay with it. So right. I, you know, and my first cat I had, I used to have parrots and I, I brought the, the kitten and was a little runt only weighed six pounds fully grown. I put her next to the bird cages, the parrot cages and, Slapped their wings and all the seeds and everything went all over the cat. And she said, "Fine, you you live your life. I'm living mine." You know. <laughs> so I think They're they can get creatures. along. I yes. think they can yes. all get along. You know, they and, can. and and they can. And, and it it couldn't be a horrible thing to have a cat as a little spoiler for one of the dogs. I I really believe that. So I well, and, I have and, a lot of requests for it. So when when the story I I'll, when the story hits me, I'll know it and I will include it. There cat. you go. You know, um, you've written so many books, and you started off in traditionally published, the traditionally published world, which when mm-hmm. you started, and I'm not saying this was chronology, but when you started, publishing has changed so much over the past 10 years, even the past five years. Um, Shocking. You, it's, it's not the you, same industry. Yeah. You had to be published by one of the houses in order to get books in place unless you wanted to go ahead and get a you know a book binding machine and sell your manuscripts on a corner someplace the only way right. you could sell a book was to go through a traditional house but you took a, a leap of faith that you had such a steady readership you decided to become your own publisher Tell me about that turning point, because this is really, I think, very important, because you didn't lose readers at all doing that. No, on the contrary, I gained many, many, many readers. I did have the advantage of having an established name, but I was not in any stretch a major household name in romance writing. I mean, I I had a core group of readers that were very supportive of my work. I had um, published with Simon and Schuster out of the gate. That was who bought my first my first manuscript, and I also uh, published with Grand Central, Harlequin, and uh, Random House. So I, I worked with four different uh-huh. publishers over the years, and um, my last pu- my last uh, contract was the best contract I'd ever been offered, and it was you know I was excited to sign it. I I wasn't dying to leave traditional publishing, but there was a 
clause in the contract that was it was egregious. I will. I mean, another. I had signed it before, but I knew that I didn't have to. The the growth of self publishing gave authors a little more power, and we were able to say no. You, I don't. I don't want that in my contract. Well, they wouldn't take it out. I wouldn't back down. We went round and round. I knew at that point what my ebook numbers were, and I knew that if I just made those same numbers and with a much higher percentage of a royalty rate, I could make as much money as I made in traditional. And they were holding me back in terms of how many books a year I could put out. I can, I can write four books a year for good books. And right. I, I wanted to write more and they, um, I don't need with your listeners to get into the whole politics of, of publishing, but, but by all I, means, I, I do. Reached, that, that I well, think they I should know. The point where it was, it was, it was incredibly unfair to me as an author, and you know, people. I'm suffering to this day. You mentioned the Bullet Catcher series. I have a, right. I have an 11 book series with Simon and Schuster that um, I, I get. I get asked, I get letters and emails every single day asking for more bullet catchers. Um, that publisher ended the bullet catchers. They decided it just, the series just wouldn't hit it, couldn't take off. And they, they, they shut the series down before I felt it was finished. And I cannot for love or money or legal assistance, I cannot get the rights back. Um, yeah. They when I, want, when I attempt to get the rights back, they republish a book, and they lower the price, and it meets the the bare minimum of sales, so that I cannot get the price. I can't get the rights back. So I I I don't. I'm, I, it's not it's not a fair business for a single person no. who you know a, a one person business. And, right. Uh, that they're sitting on, on they're sitting on life changing money and the ability for me to write more books in the series, which readers are asking more every day. Well, I'm not going to write book twelve and expect readers to pay eight, nine, ten, eleven dollars for a digital book for a digital version of books one through through eleven, and that's what they're right. pricing them. So I just. I walked away from it, and I uh, it, the the timing was right. It was 2014. There were certainly uh, self publishing had been had has had taken off in in a big way. I wasn't afraid of of the work. Um, yes, there's a lot of work, but the one thing you learn with traditional publishing, one of many things you learn, is how a book gets published. So I understood right. from day from chapter one to finished product every step in the process. I knew what copy edits were, what line edits were, what formatting was, what, you know, the, the whole galley sure. of proofs and creating a cover. I had many, many friends in the business who were doing it. There's, the author network is very supportive. There is no yes. shortage of information on how you do this. And I made a very strategic plan. I put it on my wall of when I was going to – I would not miss a deadline, when I would publish, what I would price it, how it would come out. I, I very, very, I, I actually give a workshop on this. It's called From Mid-List to Mad Money um, because I, I changed my life by self-publishing. I continued the Barefoot Bay series. I had four books out, and then I went on to write 14 more on my own, and uh, I was able to stretch some boundaries that I know New York never would have let me write. For example, I was one of the very earliest authors to use a Silver Fox Hero. 
I knew that my readers are over 50. There's no question. I have the vast majority of my readers are 45, 50, in, well into their 60s. These women do not want to read romance with 28-year-old men only. I mean, sometimes they want to read romance with 28-year-old sure. heroes, but they want to, they like George Clooney. They like Sam, yeah. Sha- <laughs> Sam Elliott. You know, they, they have, they, they, Mark Harmon makes them drool. I knew Absolutely. this because on my, my Facebook page, I would do Silver Fox Friday, and it was very popular. I, I remember that. <laughs> I, I, know, I know at that time that New York would not have let me put a silver-haired, handsome devil on the cover of a book. They would have said, oh, well, make him 40, and we'll mention it in the back cover copy, and that we can't, it won't sell, it won't sell, it won't sell. And they didn't understand the reader the way an author who is in daily touch with their readers understand readers. So, I mean, those were Barefooted Sunset was actually voted by Book Club readers as one of the top 20 most romantic books of all time. It's right there next to Fault in Our Stars. Okay. Yep. I mean, it was a romantic book. And he's it and I've written, I wrote three in that timeless series. And the, when I wrote the dog father, the, the, the main character of the series, the dog father himself, his book, old dog, new tricks, he's 61 and the heroine is 59. And I, I know. defy anyone to find a book that is, that is any more romantic. It's a great story. And it's a story. Yeah, of they are. Chances. And yes. I'm, I'm so, I love those books. I mean, I, I love my 30 year old heroes. Don't get me wrong. I just I, it, that I was able to push the boundaries that I wasn't able to push with New York, but I do, I do want to just add this because I think it's fascinating. I just came back from the Romance Writers of America conference, and um, you talk about um, starting out. When I started out, as you said, there is no other way. There was no other right. way to sell a book except to get an agent, which takes about a year, and then to have that agent pitch that book which can take about a year and then to have that book re- finally published which takes about a year another year so right from the day I decided I wanted to be an author in the end of 1999 to my and I moved pretty quickly through the process so the first book came out it was 2003 now fast forward today 2019 you are an author starting out my daughter who recently graduated from college, is launching her first romance series in the fall. She is uh, so excited. I'm so excited. I took her to RWA as a graduation present. I am beyond excited about her writing. How Um, exciting. She has it. She loves it. She's written her first book, and she's well, well into her second book. And she has covers done already. She has the timing of the, th- of the first three book launch planned. She has um, the books, her first book is in copy editing. We have a whole plan and a strategy for her moving forward. And she will launch from the day she wrote her first, started writing her first book, which was spring of 2019. Her book will be out in the fall. And that's the difference. And she will probably make more money in her first year as a writer than I did in my first five. You know, it really is. It's a different world. Control. It's all about you have no control once you let this beautiful creative thing that you've done 
into somebody else's hands, your control is gone because essentially they can tell you they want you to change up the story and, and do everything else. They can change your character names. They can do anything they want with it, correct? Absolutely. And and you know that going into it, and there is there, there are definitely people who are not cut out for self-publishing. It is not for right. everyone. It's right. a certain kind of um, ability to juggle uh, the marketing and the production and the administration of the business yes. along yes. with writing the creative writing of a book. And they're, they're, oftentimes those are two very, very different parts of your brain. And a lot of people just don't want to be they, – they don't want to deal with it. I mean, people think, oh, get a cover artist and, and write cover copy and, and do marketing. And, and, and uh, you know, there's just so many – look at my formatting and make sure the page numbers are – every you know, I'm, I'm a production right. person. I'm a cover artist. I'm a, I'm a marketer. And I'm an author. So I understand they are daunted by it, and they choose to go a more traditional route with a small publisher or an e-publisher or a big New York publisher. Um, right. That option does still exist, and it's a wonderful option for certain people. If you have right. – um, for me, I, I have no fear of that. I had, I had technological hurdles. I'm not going to lie. There were, there, were, there, were, there were tough times in the very beginning when I just – I faced technological issues that that were difficult for me, but the answers are out there. And every time I learned a new one, I, I conquered an, a, a little hill of technology. I was so proud. It was like learning all over again. I, I have Absolutely. been self-publishing for, for, I guess, five years. Um, at the end of this year, it'll be five years. I've written, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to say 25 of my book of my titles are self-published 27 something like that um it's been the brightest part of my entire career it's been uh, rewarding on every level and i ha- i can't i just am such a proponent i can't help but be an evangelist for it because i really really have enjoyed self-publishing and i I'm don't so have glad. any plans to go back it, yeah. the nice thing is you know you are now pulling forward another new author who just happens to be your daughter and <laughs> the fact of the matter is though that she still has to learn all those things too in order you know you can help her you you know she's in the walking stage now and but it's up to her to do the rest of the work. Absolutely. So, I didn't so, write the book. She, I, right. I mean, I, I can answer every question when she's like, okay, I need a website. I needed this. I'm like, oh, yeah, here's what you do. Here's what you need. You need the covers. You need this. But I did not put my fingers on the keyboard and write the book. Right. And she doesn't want me to do all of those other things. Obviously, she has a shortened learning curve by having someone who's very experienced well, at right. the job as, as, right. right next to her. Um, so it's it's easier for her than it would be for someone else. But I didn't write the book, and I read the first two pages when she started it, and I thought, mm, gosh, you know, I've read a lot of bad books. I've read a lot of bad first drafts. I've read a lot of people who think, oh, I'll just sit down and write a romance novel because what could be right. easier, right? Right, and sure. I know it's not easy. I know there are there, there there's a finesse to getting emotion across on the page, and I read two pages and I put it down. I looked over the computer, the laptop at her, and I said, you are going to make more money than I ever have. <laughs> I said, you I love have that. got it, girl. 
so uh, can got, we she, can we say her name yes, and and when yes, we sh- yes. so let's let's just pimp her a little bit right now. <laughs> Your daughter's her, name her on her name book. Is, her name is Breezy Bennett. B R E E Z I E Bennett. B E N N E T T. And her first book is Wild Ride. It'll be out in October. And after that will be Slow Ride and then Easy Ride. They are um, a football. It's a they're sports romantic comedies. Oh God, I've been reading those for for a while now, and they're really a lot of fun. (laughs) She's hilarious. I I mean she's she does she has a uh, an ability to make you laugh out loud while reading that I do not have. Um, she's just she's a funny funny person and her her she's great she's she's a terrific writer. She's what is her of, what is her her release date? Uh, I don't we don't have an exact release date mid mid to late October. She's just we're we're just it'll be October November you know uh, probably one every three weeks. Uh, okay. For the end of the year. That's the plan. So how can I do a, um, an in conversation interview? And that's where two authors get together and talk um, with New York Times bestselling author Rocky St. Clair and debut novelist Breezy Bennett. Yeah. Would you like to interview your daughter? Let's do it. <laughs> you want me to interview her? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we could definitely Who do that. Better? Let's plan okay. it. Let's plan it for early next year after her titles okay. are out. Could we okay. do that? Yes, yeah, sure. In yeah. the meantime, I want her before then. So, but you're going to come back and talk to her and see how the whole thing goes cuz getting those first three books out is going to be really great. Yes, I want to do this with you. I think oh, it will be so a ton sweet. of fun. You're so sweet. I think well, Breezy, was- I think Breezy is going to do very well. She writes in that first person present tense. Uh that's very has a very youthful feel to it. Very not it does. not new adult. Her her characters are in their mid to late twenties, so it's definitely not college age or new adult. But um, okay. she's got her, her, you know, she's young. She has her finger on the pulse of the culture. She knows the she knows the the terminology. She um, she wrote a very well. It was a little sexy. <laughs> Good. I'm sure, this is all out of your imagination. <laughs> okay. Sure. No, I we're got it. we have um we and and when we talked and we plotted, I just could tell she understood it I said how I mean I know she's been reading romance her whole life and I said how do you know this she's like do you think I haven't been listening to you for all these years <laughs> <laughs> she's been listening to me so it's well fun. it's it's, it's really in her DNA exciting. too Rocky it's in her DNA it and is. um and she has a great mentor in you which is something a lot of debut novelists or wannabe writers don't have um, you can go to classes and you could sit in you know to uh, master classes and you can take online stuff and be with a critique group but you are the encyclopedia for her and that's pretty special well I certainly can be a secret weapon because I, I ha- was able to introduce her to a lot of people and and you know just kind of help her learn the ropes but you really I can't do the work for her. I did not write right. the first book and I I you know she has a different writing routine um like you know when normal people go to bed <laughs> she's right writing. But that's so, okay. I, you know like I'm I say good night it's 10 o'clock, I'm finished, I'm tired, I go to bed and that's pretty much when she fires up her computer and then the next morning 
I see her because she's she's moved in with me after college to get until she gets her you know her feet on the ground get these books done. Um, she shows up and says, "Oh yeah, I wrote thirty five hundred words and went to sleep at four in the morning." <laughs> Go the youth. <laughs> I know, right? That's so. I love that. Now, um, let's before I I've taken so much of your time, but I I'm greedy with you. Um, no, tell everybody no. about hot under the collar because oh I will you now so the- you we now have changed because the dog father got married himself, and his last the last of his kids are all married off, but now we have all, and of course Granny Finney was you know, was always there yeah. right. She yeah, she's yeah. there and she's she's kind of like the backstory behind everything. She's kind of the bones behind behind you know, the Dogfather series. You really never know when a character is going to touch readers. Like you just yes. never know. So I mean, I, I Grandma Finney, who is the the dog father, is a, a man named Daniel Kilcannon with the six kids. Right. And that nine book series is six six love stories, his love story, and two novellas is what it actually is. Right. He, he plays he's he plays a, a matchmaker. He wants all his his wife dies in the very beginning of the of the you know three years before the first book opens, and he wants every one of his kids who he's brought back to North Carolina to work on his rescue and tra- his, his canine rescue and training center. Um, he wants them all married and he gets them all married in this nine books. And, and I, I always thought maybe readers would be interested in his book maybe make it a novella. But from, from the day the first book came out, I got letters. I want his story. I want his story. So yeah, so he, yeah. He, he is the, he was the ultimate series ending. And I didn't want the series to end because I have four more cousins. And of course, with his marriage, he, 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 he has a step family and there are five more kids that right. all need to be fixed up. So I, as I started, what was going to be book 10, a hot under the collar, the fireman and the, and one of the, one of his step uh, children. Right. I, I, I wasn't loving it. I could feel that I felt like, okay, it felt like the series had ended. Right, and because his I, life was complete. His, his the dog story, father so I was felt done. It was, right. a, it was a very natural ending, and I right. felt that I was unnaturally pushing the series to, to the cousins. So I, I really thought about it a lot. I talked to some friends. I brainstormed about it, and I thought, I, how can I change this? How can I, how can I change it up to be a spin-off series? And I was kind of going down the route of – I want to focus on the town of Bitterbark, not just the dog, the the, the Waterford Farm, where is the canine right. rescue place. So I was even thinking of something like the Bitterbark series or Bitterbark Tales, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I I suddenly had this moment where I sort of woke up in the middle of the night and I thought. Grandma Finney could be Finney, the next, right? Finney, Finola. Right. I think. I mean, she right. is so beloved. I think she could be a matchmaker. She and at first I was thinking it would be Grandma Finney and Prue, who is her her great granddaughter, also a right. teenager, a beloved character. Right. And then I and then I remembered that I had planted a character who was never on the page in the last book. It was right. his his heroine, Katie her mother-in-law now she's a widow so her husband is dead and this is her mother-in-law who's greek she she married into a big greek family and she's the mother-in-law you can tell when they talk about her but she's never on the page is a crusty 
um, Greek woman and the ultimate Yaya. I mean, she yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. She has, she, <laughs> she gets is. her own way. She is manipulative. She gets what she wants. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I have to put those two together and those two old ladies. And I, um, I decided I just, it was like the dog mothers. I mean, of course there was, there was no question. And I got perfect. all excited because I really had a perfect spinoff. It was, yes. it was taking, the, taking the story in a new direction, but not changing what readers had fallen in love with. And also giving readers a new point of entry, which hot under the collar, you can start right there. You do not have to have read the first series. You, you get filled in. Uh, you know, you know enough about the other characters so that you don't get confused, but maybe you are intrigued if you haven't read the first series. And, and, but you also do you utilize some of those characters from the first series, which is a nice continuation. So it feels like it's season two. It's not, you know, yeah. closing the chapter completely, but it's the new season and we're bringing in a whole new set of characters. Yes, everybody uh, else is still going to be. Yeah, I really, really like the transition on that, Rock. Yeah, I really Thank did. You. Thank you. Uh, I thought it was it lovely. It was very organic. It, it's like everything else with this series has just been very organic. It hasn't felt forced. It just it hasn't felt like I'm trying to chase a trend or or do something that isn't natural to for me or for my readers. And I that's what I just love about these series. They're just it, they just feel so like they are what I'm supposed to be writing right now. Will you give a just a brief synopsis of Hot Under the Collar, please? Yes, I haven't thought about it now. For it's been out for a few months. It, it uh, <laughs> the 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 um, hero hero is a firefighter, and right. uh, his he Braden Mahoney, and he um, he has a dog that he adores, Jellybean. who he's Jellybean, who he's trying to get to be a. Um, a canine arson investigator dog. And there's a series of training that they have to go through. And he's almost reached the end of it. And the dog father, his uncle, uh, Daniel, is working on training the dog. But they realize that the dog has a serious problem with his sense of with his scent. He right. is uh, incapable of discerning sense, which, of course, is extremely important for an accelerant detective, detection dog. And uh, Brayden needs to raise money because there is the possibility of a very expensive process to train the dog. And he is just in love with this dog. It's a, um, um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name. Wymer Honor. And this dog was on the cover of the book, was at, at the at the fire station when we shot the cover. The real dog's name is Dusty, an absolute beauty. And, um, so he, dog mothers, convince him to hire Cassie, who is now not his cousin by any stretch. He's, it's his the the niece of the daughter his mother, the niece of the man his mother just married. So right. their their families are very intertwined, but there's no relation there. And he's had a hardcore crush on Cassie. She's a sassy little Greek girl that just cracks him up, and she agrees to help him. Uh, raise money at the at the town fundraiser. They ha- they have a uh, pause for a cause where they ra- throughout the right. whole month the town of Bitterbart raises money for various causes. And while they're in the process of doing that, 
they try to see if they can solve jelly beans problems themselves that they, they that they can do some of the training themselves so they they have they set off on this adventure to fix jelly bean and end up fixing themselves <laughs> it's a and lovely they, lovely story thank you it's a it's a lot of fun it's a it's a, a that one was one of those that ha- that had me laughing out loud sometimes you just write a character who is funnier than you are (laughs) there you go had a witty way about her and what i love about the dog mothers um i sort of set up a a a series arc that agnes santorini the greek yaya that nobody liked in the when they talked about her in the previous book uh it turns out that she as the book opens you learn that she has had a near-death experience her heart stopped for six minutes and when she saw the light they turned her back and said, you're not going to come in here. And so she has convinced herself that if she doesn't change, she and she she's not going to heaven, basically. So it's a, such a cute story. So many little threads to pull in that book. Yes. So she has, we are almost, she has a story arc, and she has to change through the series, too. We are almost out of time, Rocky. Tell everyone where they can find you on the web. Oh, uh, RoxanneStClair.com. It's with an E at the end of St. Clair. R-O-X-A-N-N-E-S-T-C-L-A-I-R-E.com. And I have a very fun readers group on Facebook. If you could just search Dogfather Reader Group. And we, there are about 2,000 very active readers who love dogs and books. Well, give them a shout-out right this minute. I will. They're the dog mothers, I call them, and they're awesome. My very, very awesome readers. I love this. Roxanne St. Clair, New York Times bestselling author. The new series is called The Dog Mothers. The first book is Hot Under the Collar. I highly recommend you go and get every single book she's ever written. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for being with me, Roxanne. I I just adore you. I love talking to you. I learn something new every single time you're on this show. But I'm holding you to your promise to come back in January or so with your daughter when and have a conversation okay we will thank you so much i've always enjoyed talking to you and i love what you do for books and authors thank you so much thank you so much and i want to thank listeners everywhere and thank you mom and dad i'll see you later mm-hmm.